Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. They've designed must-have travel styles for when you need to jet. The lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit make these shoes some of the most packable styles ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Take the Super Light Tree Runner on your next adventure. Its cushy, lightweight foam midsole supports every step, and the extra outsole traction gives you the grip to just go for it. The Eucalyptus Fiber Upper adds next-level breathability to keep you going all day. Plus, the Super Light Tree Runner is comfortable and ready to go right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Super Light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey everybody, welcome to the first episode of the Believe in Oakland A's podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Ben Ross. Thank you so much for joining us. I am really fired up about this. I've covered this Oakland A's team the last couple of years for NBC Sports California. I've been in sports journalism period for like 10 years and I've always wanted to do a podcast. Better late than never, right? These things aren't, uh, aren't over yet. I know I'm I'm like 15 years late to the party, but I feel like you can never have too many podcasts. There's only about 100 million of them so far. So as I mentioned, I've covered this A's team the last couple of years. I've worked in sports TV, radio, print, still do some play-by-play, and now trying my hand at podcasting. I think this is the perfect team to launch a podcast about. This A's team is a lot of fun. 24 and 14 on the season. As I tape right now on Monday night after the big 6-0 win against the Astros, Oakland now four and a half games ahead of Houston for first place in the AL West. Astros better watch out. They're only two games ahead of the Mariners for second place. And in this expanded playoff format, the top two teams from each division will make it and then two more wild cards from each league. But The Astros, they've got some injury problems, and they're really not playing great baseball. Five straight losses now for Houston. And these two clubs, the A's and Astros, still have four more games going on this week. We'll talk a little bit more about the A's in a moment. First of all, I want to tell you about my guest that we've got coming up. we got a big one for you, Mark Canna, A's outfielder. Maybe even more importantly, a fellow Cal Bear. Had to have a Cal guy on my first podcast Uh, Mark and I had a really good conversation a few days ago. Talk, obviously, about this A's team and and why he thinks maybe this version could be the best one yet and have a really good chance to make a deep playoff run. We talked about Mark Canna's career and his development as as a big league hitter. Really some insightful stuff from him about his approach at the plate and, and when he decided to sort of make an adjustment and, and at what moment he felt like he... He really knew he could be a productive big league hitter. So we get into that. Of course, I mentioned the uh, the fact that he's a, a Cal Bear as well. So we had to talk about our time in Berkeley and some of our, some of our favorite restaurants in Berkeley. And as you probably know, if you follow Mark Canna on social media, he's a, a big time foodie. 
In fact, his Instagram name is literally Big League Foodie. So we got into that as well. Some of his favorite restaurants in the Bay Area. And we talked a little bit about cooking. He's a really interesting guy. I think he was a, a great guy to have for our first guest. Again, he's he's obviously a really good baseball player, but he's a fascinating human being off the field too with some interesting insights. And so I think you're going to enjoy our conversation. As we told you, the A's now four and a half games ahead of Houston in first place in the AL West, currently the four seed in the American League, although they're they're right on the heels of Cleveland and the Chicago White Sox, who are just uh, half a game in front of them at 26 and 15. The A's at 24 and 14. Tampa Bay right now leading the American League at 28 and 14. But as far as the A's are concerned, you know, it's kind of been an up and down year. They, they've shown what they're capable of, I think, in terms of the, the home run power one through nine in the lineup. Um, the bullpen has been phenomenal. Um, you know, two years ago, this bullpen was lights out and then kind of surprisingly the A's bullpen last year struggled, but they're back on track this season, best ERA in all of baseball. So that's been a huge part of the success starters. Well, they've been uh, a little bit up and down. Maybe Chris Bassett starting game one against the Astros can kind of get the starters going. He was phenomenal. Seven innings of shutout baseball as the A's took game one against the Astros, six to nothing. And uh, as we mentioned, four more games coming up. It's, it's the rare five-game series between the A's and Astros. Of course, Oakland had the coronavirus scare last week when they found out Daniel Mangdon tested positive. Fortunately, he's been asymptomatic, and no one else in the organization has tested positive. So that's the good news. The bad news is that they've got a whole lot of games to make up, and they, they don't have a lot of time to do it. So it's a, it's a packed schedule for them. They've got the doubleheader on Tuesday against Houston, single games Wednesday, Thursday. Then they play four games in three days at Texas over the weekend before traveling to Seattle on Monday for a doubleheader. And then the very next day, Tuesday, they head to Denver to take on the Colorado Rockies uh, on the 15th and 16th. So it is going to be busy. That's actually something else we talked with Mark Canna about. Having another solid year after, you know, really a breakout season last year. He hit a career-high 26 home runs, slash 273, 396, 517. That's a 913 OPS. Anything above 900, you are really doing well towards the top of the league. Numbers a tiny bit down this year as far as the batting average at 252, but the on-base percentage still right there at 399 getting a lot of walks. That's, that's certainly something that he's worked on the last couple of years. And, and we talked about kind of his approach and how it changed slugging 398, three homers, 21 runs batted in still just under 800 with the OPS this year at 797. But obviously he's, you know, he went from a rule five draft selection to a productive big league hitter and an above average defensive outfielder. And, you know, with his versatility, being able to play all over the outfield and, and first base as well, he's become a really valuable guy for the A's and uh, being a local product as well, coming from San Jose and, and going to school at Cal. You love to have those local guys in the organization. So he's definitely one of the, the fan favorites. I think he's one of the favorites in the dugout, just the way he plays the game. He, he wears his 
uh, hard on his sleeve, plays the game with a lot of passion, a lot of emotion. And uh, as I as I already said, he's a really interesting guy off the field, too. So I hope you enjoy our conversation from a few days ago with A's outfielder Mark Canna. Mark, thanks so much for coming on the Believe in Oakland A's podcast. First of all, uh, I want to ask you, you know, how you doing from a health standpoint? You and your you and your family, are you staying healthy? Are you staying sane? Kind of a, a crazy time this pandemic has been. Uh, yeah, we're all good here. Um, my wife and kids, two daughters, are um, back home in Arizona. Um, but everyone's healthy. Um, we're doing well. And uh, I guess you could say we're, we're just as sane as, as everyone else is during this time. Yeah. Well, and I mean, you guys got a taste of this thing firsthand. Uh, we, we found out that, that Daniel Mengden tested positive for COVID-19. Now, fortunately, he's asymptomatic. And uh, incredibly, no one else on the team tested positive. So, what, I mean, what was, what was it like when you, when you heard that someone had tested positive? What was kind of going through your mind? Uh, I mean, it was just crazy. I mean, it's coming off um, a strange series where we, we didn't play, a, you know, a strange road trip where we didn't play a game in Texas out of protest for social injustice. Um, and then again, the next day in Houston for the same reason. And then we play a double header in Houston. And then that happened the next day after the double header. So it's just a, a bunch of consecutive, um, events that, that kind of sum up this year and, and, um, and all of its craziness, but, um, yeah, it's, it was kind of just shocking, and and but you know now it, we're back to normal and we've dealt with it and and we feel like it feels like we're ready to move forward. Yeah, I mean one of one of the unintended consequences, I guess, is I don't know if you've had a chance to look at your schedule now for the rest of this month, but it get, it's going to get a little hectic in mid September. I think I read you guys play something like ten games in seven days. In a three-day span, I think you go from Texas to Seattle to Colorado because you got to make up that doubleheader now in Seattle. Yeah. I mean, you guys are resilient. I feel like. What do you? What is the mindset when you see something like that? Like that? Is it just kind of, it's a weird year and you just got to roll with it? Yeah, I mean, it's it's just get through it. Um, try to win as many games as you can. Do the best you can. Try to stay healthy and. Um, you know, I don't know what, what implications any of this is going to have on the future. We were kind of talking about that today with, like, how is this year, how is arbitration going to be affected? How is – there's so much. And then, like, the playoffs, we still don't know, like, are we doing a bubble? Are we not doing a bubble? Are we – you know, we're kind of hearing some rumblings on that. And there's just so much uh, – so many balls up in the air right now. Um I hope it it gets handled in a um, I don't know just a, a responsible manner as as responsible as we can as we can from a health perspective and and as fair as we can for everybody. Yeah, I mean that, that's a good point. How, how have you handled this season just with with all the differences? I mean, from no fans in in the crowd to just playing a sixty game season and having to kind of worry about staying healthy. How do you feel like? Major League Baseball has handled it, and how have you as a team handled it? Um, 
you know, I, I look at it as kind of a two way street. I mean, I'm really, I'm not going to lie. I'm glad we're playing and, and it's, it was great after the quarantine to, to find out how quick, how we got this organized and then we're actually playing and, and, you know, for a lot of guys that like, getting to make money and stuff is, is really great. Like, and, and we miss playing and when we, there was so much excitement getting back to playing games again. It's, it's awesome that we're doing that. I'm not going to lie. I, I love playing baseball and, and doing what's, it's just what's natural for me this time of year. And, um, but that being said, I mean, this, this year just sucks from, <laughs> it's, it's my least favorite version of baseball, all things considered in terms of just not having the time and the resources and the, uh, to, to prepare kind of the same way that, that, we have in the past we're doing our best and we're all adapting and, and kind of rolling with the punches and, and doing a good job of that but when you've when you've had the, the routines and the, the things that you're used to doing like the video and just just the time to take more swings in, in the past um doing all the kind of routine preparation that we were used to doing when when you have done that for five years in a row and then for me this is my sixth year and hey, guess what? Everything's different this year and you still got to go out and perform and, and kind of deal with it. It's it's a little tougher. Yeah, well, I mean, you guys have done a good job, certainly. I mean, you, you find yourselves in first place. Obviously, you're, you're a confident team. You've won 97 games in the last two seasons and, you know, you're well positioned again to, to make the playoffs. Um, how do you feel about this year's team? Do you feel like this year's version is the best version you've been on? Are you better equipped to maybe make a, a deep run in the playoffs? Sure. Well, I mean, you, you got a team that, that basically we're returning a lot of the, the, the core of the team. And, and now you have uh, Matt Olson and Matt Chapman uh, that are that much more experienced and all the young guys that, that have that one more year under their belt where they've, been there done that and they're, they're used to it and um it's invaluable when you get guys like that with talent that and now that they're they're confident and they're they know the routine and they know you know kind of how the season goes and how to how to have success I mean I think that's a powerful thing and and of course I mean I'll say that that would make this the the best version of this team just because each and every year we have those guys and they're going to get better and um the same goes for for the young pitchers we have you know um so hopefully you know my hope is just that moving forward we can kind of keep those guys keep everyone together as as good as we can you guys added a couple of uh all-stars from last year at the trade deadline uh tommy Lastella from the angels mike minor from Texas. I would imagine you're at least somewhat familiar with those guys, just, you know, having, having played against them in the AL West, what do you think that they bring to the team? Yeah, it, it only makes us better. Um, the depth doesn't hurt you. So um, we're a little short on left-handed bats and Tommy is a great left-handed bat and Mike Miner, I'm pretty sure, you know, you look at the beginning or the middle of last year and he's one of the best pitchers in baseball and, you know, he's one of those guys that when you go out and face Mike Miner, you're like, okay, it's going to be like, it's going to be a little bit, there's a little bit 
of an edge to today. You got he's a little bit trickier. It's a little bit of a different animal, and he brings it. That's interesting because I, I wanted to get to your stats against him. I, do you have any idea how you've done against him in your career? Uh, well, but I think that's all basically. I mean, last year I I did really well against him. <laughs> um, I think he's just one of those guys for me personally that's a good matchup for me. Um, but I understand that he's tough on a lot of other people, and I've seen it, and and I've had trouble with him in, in certain respects in the past as well. Even though I've, you know, got him a few times, um, he's gotten me a few times too. So just to tell everyone out there, uh, in your career against Mike, six for 15, three home runs and a double. So I, yeah. I'm guessing he's probably glad to have you on, on his team now and not have to face you anymore. Well, I'm, I'm just as happy to, to have him because he's a good, he's a damn good pitcher. Absolutely. Well, you know, for you, we've kind of, it's becoming, I think, a little bit more well-known about your career, you know, just kind of how you ended up on the A's, you know, from being a rule five draft uh, selection and how you've blossomed with the A's, especially the past few years. Do you feel like there's, there was a moment where it really clicked for you, where you felt like you could be a productive big league hitter? Uh, yeah, I think it was in, in 2018, um, I, I was really had a really good off season and I was swinging the bat really well in spring training. And, and, uh, at the beginning of that year, I got off to a really hot start. I think just, well, despite starting in triple A that year, um, there, there was a point in 2018 where I, I was doing well and I knew I, I had a good feel for, for my swing but I kind of like took a step back and and said well the numbers aren't really as good as I feel like they could be and and the reason that I was striking I've always struck out a lot but I was striking out kind of a lot and and not walking them as much and just decided that I was being a little too aggressive and and getting myself out too much early in at bats and and kind of throwing at bats away on early swings in the count and swinging at pitches that weren't my pitches. So um, I kind of made a conscious decision that year to, to in the middle of the year, it's kind of a middle of a year adjustment where I was going to just be way more selective and, and kind of play to my strengths more and not, and basically just swing less and be a lot more patient and get deep into counts. And that's something that the last two years has really shown up in, in, I think the the advanced metrics will tell you that that I've got become a better player since I just started started doing that, and uh, it's something that that I've noticed. It just changes it just changes my numbers. The walks just help so much with with all the analytics. Yeah, you know, I was going to say the same thing. I mean, you you do you walk a ton. You're you've become, I think, mm -hmm. one of the more selective hitters in the game. I remember I did a piece last year, just talking about how many pitches you typically see in at bat. And how comfortable you are going deep into the count. I mean, I would I would think from a pitcher's standpoint that can't be fun. Um, and for you, as you kind of touched on, is it really just all about being more selective, getting your pitch, not necessarily anything that's in the strike zone, but looking for something in particular in a, in a spot where you can do damage? Yeah, it's just it's just really. It you know, I think as hitters, a lot of times we say we're going to do, we're going to have a certain approach and then you get up there and a lot of times guys don't, 
see that through and they, they get impatient or they get a little jumpy and they, they want to just kind of your instincts take over whatever it may be they want to kind of get it over with and and i've kind of basically two years ago i challenged myself and just said all right you're gonna shrink the strike zone you're gonna not be afraid to strike out looking you're gonna not be afraid to hit with two strikes and and that's how we're gonna do it and we're gonna make a conscious decision and and that's kind of how i've uh how i've went about it and i you know you, you look at this year for example my, my batting average is pretty similar to last year I, my on base percentage is similar i'm not slugging as well but so you have like whatever like a little bit of a down year for me in terms of slugging right now um but you know the on base can kind of pick up the slack it's a good way for you to remain productive through the lulls and and it, i think it it's definitely helping in a year like this where where it's you know you don't have time to make adjustments you, but i can hang my hat on that this year at least and and still give us good at bats and still get on base and still score runs i want to get to your time at cal because you know i'm a fellow cal bear so i, I always got to shout out my go bears um you're a bay area native did you always know that you wanted to go to cal and and how did you enjoy your time there um well no is the answer to that last question i i always wanted to go to stanford <laughs> Oh, yeah. yeah, I was just, I wanted to go to Stanford. I watched Stanford football games and go to Stanford football games when I was a kid. Yeah, you're um, from down there. You're down in the South Bay. So I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was really driven and I, I worked really hard on my grades and I probably wasn't the smartest kid. And they, they eventually boiled down to, I, I couldn't get into Stanford because my SAT scores weren't high enough. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I was in the same boat. But Cal was willing to have me. So I, 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 Cal, of course, I knew was a great school and um, the academic side of it meant a lot to me. And also the fact that it's a Pac-10 school is a good conference for, for sports um, was, was kind of the thing that made my decision is, is how I made my decision to go there. Um, but yeah, my time there um, was good. I, I, I really, um, I'll say this, I think I, it changed me as a person going there to like the liberal side of, of going to Cal kind of um, really rubbed off on me. And um, I just embraced it. I, I kind of, it was one of those things where when I got to campus, I never spent time in Berkeley or as a kid or you know, I had no, no familiarity with the campus or, or the culture or anything. And so I got there and I was kind of shell-shocked coming from Bellarmine Prep in San Jose, which is like, a, you know, still liberal, but like super nice, like campus, you know, private high school, private education, everything's like, and then you get to Cal and it's like, you're on your own for one in college and for yeah. the first time ever. And then you get this like, there's homeless people all around and there's crazy, you know, all kinds of just craziness, you know, it's berserkly. Walking so. down telegraph. Is, uh, yeah, yeah. It's a little grimy. And then there's like protests going on every other day. And, 
you walk through Sproul Plaza and there's just people handing you flyers all the time. And I was just, I was kind of like, what is this? Like, it, it was so unfamiliar to me. I kind of didn't like it at the beginning, but my parents kind of encouraged me to, you know, just stick with it and, and hang in there. You know, I had a scholarship and it was really sweet setup. I was doing great in baseball and, and I kind of just stuck with it and, and embraced it. And eventually like, now I'm like all about it. I'm just all about that life. And, and by the, by the end of my time in Berkeley, I wouldn't have traded it for the world. It was, it was awesome. And, uh, I mean, I lived a very like student athlete-ish lifestyle, you know, like sure. it, sports was my main focus and I was, but I was still working hard in school and, and, you know, doing what I can to, to get as good of grades as possible. And, it was it was just awesome, man. I, I just enjoyed kind of, as you know, there's so much that Berkeley offers and I got a little, I got a taste of all of it kind of. Well, I'm certainly glad that you stuck it out and, and we can claim you uh, as our own, along with Marcus Simeon, who I, you guys overlapped at, at Cal, right? You were on the team together? Yeah, for, for uh, two years, I think. Yeah, yeah, two, yeah two. two years we were there together. We never roomed together. But we were, uh, there was like a, an apartment complex where me and like the guys in my class were in one house and they were two doors down. They being Marcus and a few of the guys on our team that were in his like, you know, we were juniors, they were sophomores kind of kind of thing. So we were neighbors that would just hang out all the time. That's awesome. What you know, one of the things I really liked about Berkeley, and I'll still go back. I live in San mm -hmm. Francisco now, but I'll I'll go back to Berkeley just for the food. And I, I know you're a big food guy. Curious uh, if you have any favorite restaurants still in Berkeley. I I mean, yeah, it, I have a lot of Berkeley spots that I go to pretty regularly. Um, I mean, well, first I I have to mention Chez Panisse. I've only been there once, but. Um, that's one of my favorite restaurants in the whole Bay Area. It's just awesome. Yep. Um, but I'm, when I was there, I ate in the Asian ghetto a lot right there oh, on, uh, on Durant. Yep. Is it on Durant? It's on Durant. Yeah. I still go back there at least once a week. <laughs> yeah, I, I love the Asian ghetto. Um, that was the first time I ever, like, one of my teammates introduced me to Thai food there. I think that was the first time I had like Patsy U and stuff and like yeah. gypsies is there a little Italian spa where yeah. you get pasta. Um, it was just a really sweet, like little nook of Berkeley where you could kind of have all these different cuisines, you know, all in one place. And it, it honestly, it would be like, we'd have practice and go to work and then have a workout like a, a lifting workout after practice. So we'd all be done with that. And we're, we're all exhausted. And it's just kind of like, you can go and get whatever you want for like, you know, a ton of food for 12 bucks. And yeah. so it's kind of like, yeah, let's go do that. And then like, you know, five of us can walk down there and everyone can go to whatever, get whatever food that they want. Oh, you got so everything. Was, yeah. Yeah. It's pretty sweet. I got I to gotta give a shout out to uh, Steve's Korean barbecue. Oh, yeah. Steve's I, Korean. I remember when I, I lived in, uh, after I graduated, I lived in Montana for a couple of years. That's where I got my first job in, uh, in sports TV. Then I, uh -huh. And then I lived in Reno for a few more years. The whole time, I would still get those cravings for Steve's Korean barbecue. So I'm happy to be back just for that. Yeah. 
my roommate was all about Steve's. I was more of a, a gypsies and I forget what the, uh, the Thai place is. Or, Thai right. basil. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. That place is really good too. Yeah. You can't go wrong with any of those places. No question. Um, yeah. well, and you know, that kind of leads me into, into my next topic. Cause again, you are, I know you are a big time foodie. I mean, your mm -hmm. Instagram name is big league foodie. And I know that you, you're into cooking and you're into, you know, trying, trying restaurants around the Bay area. Um, is that something that you've al always been interested in? Have you always cooked or how did you get uh, into, how did that become sort of another passion for you? Yeah. Um, well, Berkeley kind of opened me up to different stuff and I, I was trying different foods all the time. And it's just such a great place to try different foods because there's so many different, it's just some, melting ethnic melting pot there of different great cuisines yeah so that that didn't hurt a little bit and give me a little more of a worldly taste but food cooking and stuff was always um a big part of our, my life growing up like my dad cooked a lot um i don't know when or how i learned how to cook i i couldn't i can't pinpoint it but i would always you know i was never afraid to kind of cook for myself as a as a young adult and as like a, a teenager i would like you know make breakfast for myself or i can make dinner for myself or whatever sure. um and i was kind of the the cook like in college when we had a bunch of roommates i i would be the guy that would cook dinner most of the time um for everyone i would just whether it would be just like a big old thing of pasta or yeah. or whatever it wasn't like i was making like amazing things but i i i enjoyed i've always enjoyed cooking and i i don't know where that comes from it I, it's never been something that um has been intimidating for me or like you know i i can i can just whip stuff up i'm not like a great cook by any means yeah. but <laughs> I, I well i thought it was cool because you, you've been doing this cooking with canna thing this year with the a's which yeah tell me about that it sounds like you're kind of doing a a different recipe each week is that sort of the plan yeah well that kind of ended i i, I had to stop doing that just because the season started and <laughs> sure. i basically we were doing that during the quarantine um, right they approached me and kind of um they just approached me and said hey we want to we have this idea do you want to do it and i was like sure what, what do i have going on right now obviously <laughs> yeah. nothing um just at home cooking a lot so it kind of fits in um yep but but i i think that's um kind of the fun part of cooking is like sharing recipes and stuff and yeah. you know i i just basically whether i think there was like one time i i put something on there that was my own kind of creation but most of the time it's just recipes that my wife and i look up and and uh recipes that we eat at home and and enjoy that we, that we got from other places and we give credit to them and just say hey this is what we're eating and and i think the fans the fans really liked it we got a lot of positive feedback from that yeah no that's i mean i certainly gave that a look to as someone who's i am not a good cook i i really didn't even try cooking for a long time that was one of yeah. one of my goals during the quarantine was to kind of learn and, and get better failed at that too but uh, well, it's a work in progress so i appreciate easy recipes and basic stuff like that yeah well it's one of those things too where it's like um you know i enjoy myself as 
as a foodie, I enjoy talking to other people that like food, that, that appreciate food and are kind of our foodies as well. I want to know what they're eating because when you, when you kind of get these recipes from the people you know, you know who know about food, it's, it's always, the food's always good. So it's, it's a really great way. I hope people, um, you know, carry it forward and keep, keep going out there and seeing what's out there because there's so now that the the internet and like all the different, there's so many resources, Instagram and, and all the like Pinterest, there's, there's so many good resources where you can find, uh, great, like great recipes. Absolutely. Um, I, obviously one of the, one of the tough things about the the pandemic has been, you know, a lot of restaurants are obviously struggling and, and some have had to go under. Mm-hmm. Uh, just curious. I, I kind of want to let you maybe shout out some of your favorite restaurants that are in the Bay area and, and hopefully they'll keep getting support and be able to make it through this. Oh man. Um, yeah, I try to, I try to make it out. Um, Tonight I'm going to Chef Smelly's in Oakland by Lake yeah. Merritt. Have you heard of that? I, I've seen you post about that a few times. I yeah. haven't I haven't been there, but I'll have to try it. Chef Smelly's is really good. It's right by Lake Merritt on Broadway. And uh he makes like just bomb like Creole food. Like nice. seafood and, and it's just like fried seafood. It's super good. Nice. Um so his spot is great. Uh, last night I ate at Pizzaiolo, which is a pizza spot in Temescal. Um, Cafe Brazil in Berkeley is another good one. They have a great um, steak sandwich. Ramen shop, Millennium. Those are both on College Ave right next to each other. Um, that's the pizza place. Zachary's obviously is very good. Classic. Um, yeah, I mean, and then there's a bunch in San Francisco. I, uh, the San Francisco ones don't need my help from out <laughs> yeah. They're doing just fine. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing about the Bay Area, man. There's so many great restaurants. It's like you can't even name them all. That, that's one of the yeah. things I love about living here is the food is just, I think, as good as anywhere in the world. Yeah, it, it really is. And you, you have your your choice that you're like it, it kind of feels like oh what do we want tonight the world is our oyster because we yep. can literally have anything like yep. any kind of food you could ask for it we got it here in the bay area we're, we're very lucky in that regard absolutely all right last question for you before i before i let you go because you had a tweet a little i guess it was a, a couple of weeks ago now that that blew up and i had a bunch of people that that really <laughs> related to this so i i wanted to uh, ask you, you you tweeted Putting a duvet inside a duvet cover is just not something I'm willing to tackle right now or ever. Life's too short. I want to know the context, the, the backstory of that. I mean, exactly what it sounds like. Uh, <laughs> somehow, you know, one way or the other, somehow the duvet inevitably gets outside of its cover because it's an imperfect bed <laughs> item. Yeah. Um, betting uh invention that is the worst thing ever <laughs> in so many ways not only is it too hot it, the damn pad never stays in the cover and then putting it back in if you want to wash the cover is just a nightmare so one day it was uh my my rent at my apartment that i'm renting here 
it was just out of the cover and and now that duvet cover is uh scrunched up and <laughs> tossed into the corner of my closet as it should be life's too and, short yeah and i just sleep in a sheet and the pad now so that's all you gotta I, do i suck it uh, that's my way of sticking it to the man of, of <laughs> duvets <laughs> to big duvet yeah <laughs> i'm with you man well hey mark thank you so much for coming on the believe in oakland days podcast best of luck to you and the team and uh we hope to see you make a deep run in the playoffs thanks ben thanks for having me man it's fun thanks again to mark canna for being our first guest here on the believe in oakland days podcast that was a lot of fun i, I love talking to mark he's He's a really insightful guy. You know, I remember even when I was covering the team the last couple of years for NBC Sports California, I feel like reporters have go-to quotes in the clubhouse. And he was certainly that for me. And, and I think a lot of the other media covering the team too. He's going to tell you what's in his head. He's not going to sugarcoat it. And he's a, he's a really thoughtful, insightful baseball mind. And obviously off the field too with, with his other passions. So I think he was uh, certainly a great guest for us to get here on our, our first podcast, and we appreciate him coming on. We're going to be doing this every week with a new guest every Tuesday right here on the Believe in Oakland Days podcast. Hope you will download and subscribe and tell your friends. You can check us out anywhere you get your podcasts. And in the meantime, feel free to follow me on Twitter at Ben Ross Tweets. Thanks again to our guest, Mark Canna, and thank you for tuning in. To the first ever Believe in Oakland Days podcast, we'll have new episodes every Tuesday, at least through the rest of the season and beyond, as the A's try and make a push for their first World Series title since 1989. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.